if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hello, loves. Today, the show is being taken over by our very own Brinsky. For those of you who don't know, before Brin became the operations manager for That Sex Chick and head coach for Sex and Love Co., she was previously married and actually came to me originally as a client who is in the middle of her divorce. Brin is joined today by her now ex-husband, Chris Marhefka. Often, you'll hear me talk about the power of self-development, and how transformational certain tools can be for your relationships. But rarely do we get the opportunity to dive deep into the shadows that may exist prior to learning the tools and making changes. This episode is all about the arc of Bryn and Chris's relationship. They talk about where things started to go wrong, the warning signs and red flags, what they may have done differently based on what they know now, and the limiting beliefs that caused the breakdown of their marriage. They fell in love, but without the intentional development of their relationship, it fell apart. We get the unique opportunity to join them both as they reflect, rejoice, and reconnect on that sex chick for all of you. Enjoy. All right. Chris Marhefka, my former partner, previous husband, <laughs> current friend. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Last time uh, we were podcasting, it was on your show and you were interviewing me. So it feels really fun and exciting. And um, yeah, to, to be able to do this now with you in the hot seat. So I am very excited for this. Are you ready? And this is this is your show. Take it away. It is. It is my show. Did you hear that, Alexa? <laughs> <laughs> so this is also exciting because this is my first show interviewing without Alexa. And so I hope you feel really honored. I feel very honored. And you're doing great so far. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Great. So for those of you tuning in, uh, this is, like I said, my ex-husband, Chris Marhefka. And Chris is the CEO of Training Camp for the Soul. He is a men's facilitator, men's work facilitator and coach. And anything else you'd like to add to that? That about covers it. All <laughs> I mean, of my life in, in one title. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, lover of life. Lover of life. Adventure. Adventure. Wild man. I was just about to say golden flowing locks. <laughs> barefooted caveman. Yeah. Yeah. Feels appropriate. Yes. And my intention of bringing you on today's show is really to talk about the the arc of our sexual relationship. Mm. And I imagine the arc of many people's sexual relationships where you have deep attraction to somebody, you start to fall in love, the sex in the beginning is great. And I thought it would be really interesting to unpack our sex life as a, you know, 10 year relationship. Mm-hmm where it started, even potentially before us, uh, how you were raised and what you learned, and then talking about what happened within our relationship. And then once we separated, I know we both have gone down a path of pretty deep sexual development, and I'd love to hear that as well. So let's take it back and start with the beginning. You know, as you know, with this, the work that you do at Training Camp for the Soul, um, so much of us is imprinted from such a young age and the way that we show up in the world. And so I'd love to start with, you know, birth. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the moment you left your mother. Walk me through every day of your life yeah. so far. Yeah. <laughs> well, play, I, play by play this for me. Yeah. What'd you learn? Uh-huh. What'd you... Day zero, mm-hmm. December 8th, 1985. Nailed it. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear starting with honestly the the first time that you had the sex talk and what you started to learn and understand sex was growing up because that obviously played a major role in how you showed up in our relationship so i'd love to start there in how mm. you learned about sex and what sex was for you growing up mm. um i will start by saying i didn't have a sex talk mm. I, I didn't get the sex talk um all of my sexual education was through just being curious as a child and i mean i started that young i mean single digits at some point just like exploring being a curious little boy and um myself and with others and you know i i probably had um Take out the properly. I, I would say that I started my sexual exploration with women probably wait nine to probably again. I'm judging it as too early. Mm. Um, I started having sex fairly young, and um, what was fairly young. Um, I was in seventh grade. 
Wow. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I knew that. Yeah, it was um penetrative sex in seventh yeah, grade. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I was a child. Yeah. Like still seventh a child. Not even really adolescent. Puts you at what, like eleven, twelve? Eleven, twelve, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Way too young. Mm. <laughs> um, and up until that point, I mean, all of my education had been from other immature boys. Hmm. Um, and or uh downloading porn off of the napster or aol yeah like whatever the the sketchy download where you had to like watch the bar it wasn't like streaming back then Mm -hmm. you had to actually work for it and Mm -hmm. wait for it and Mm -hmm. um and so like that was all of my education um and and before that it was it was like learning how to masturbate to sports illustrated magazines Mm -hmm. and yeah Um, I didn't have, um, up until that point I had, uh, I didn't have a very highly sexualized experience of life. It wasn't in my household. It wasn't really in my field at all. I wasn't really aware of it until I was. And then it was. So puberty, essentially. Puberty. Yeah. You just start getting raging boners and wonder what's happening and. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a like super confusing time. Like I've, I've gone back and revisited that time in some healing and, uh, just like lots of confusion, uh, because there is, I believe with our development, there is our natural essence of what's coming through, uh, on, on a more like energetic spiritual, there's our biological development, uh, and then there's our cultural programming. And when if any of those are out of alignment with each other, there's confusion. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, why doesn't this add up? Like, why, does, why doesn't this make sense? And so I just remember that time being like so confusing for me, trying to figure it out. What part of it was confusing for you? Um, well, sex wasn't talked about. But it was like clearly something that like biologically, like I was driven towards and wanting to. And not only was it not talked about, it was um, like suppressed. It was almost like, like, why is this not a thing that I know about? Like, why is this not a thing that, and that started coming up when I started talking with other young boys who sure. also don't know shit, sure. but they knew more. And it was just like this, like, oh, why have I not ever experienced this? And um yeah. I was curious about in your household when you say it was suppressed, what were the things that you would see or not see? Um, I never saw my parents uh in any way uh in their sexual energy. Hmm. Um, either individually or or together. Mm-hmm. Um if they were kissing, it was like a little peck. Platonic. Platonic. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so there was just no sexual energy. Which it's interesting, you hearing that, it makes so much sense of when we got together, I am a pretty affectionate person mm-hmm. and I remember you were so uncomfortable yeah. with public displays of affection. Absolutely. I just wanted to like lick your face at the bar mm-hmm. and you were like, please don't. Like, <laughs> like all contracting. And it wasn't that I didn't want to. This goes back to like the biological, like now when I follow my biological drive, like we can say, I just want to like go fucking in the yard. Like that's like what my drive is. We can say fuck on this show. Okay, good. (laughs) You saw the pause. I was like, are we? Yeah. That sex chick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now, 
now it was like, even that was very confronting because it's like, oh, I really want to, but like, this is wrong. Can't mm. do this. And that's the cultural stuff that comes in. That's the familial programming. That's just like, oh, this is not okay in public. This is like a private thing that's hidden and no one sees sure. and we don't talk about. Yeah, it's what and So that was it. With. And then like stack on like Catholic raised, like Catholic school, like yeah. Catholic family, like that shit is real <laughs> like that shame is real <laughs> yeah it's funny hearing you know your reflection of how you were raised and the imprinting and the way that it showed up in our relationship I talked about the public displays of affection and you feeling really uncomfortable with that and then what it made me think of was when we would drink mm-hmm. you would actually become incredibly highly sexual incredibly sexual to the point where it was actually really jarring on my nervous system because you would not want any of those things when you were sober or Mm -hmm. you, you wanted them, but felt constriction. Right. And I could feel you close and therefore it made me less likely to want to do those things with you. But then when you were drunk, it was like this other person came out. You just wanted to make out and you were grabby and (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? It was like a switch flipped. Yep. So Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I think just in those moments, and this is why I imagine a lot of people use substances, is it puts you in a different state to where your kind of a natural state is right. But a lot of those um, stories and those beliefs that keep us from those things, our, our, our mind, they just fade away. Mm-hmm. They're just not there anymore. The walls drop. Yeah. The walls drop. And so, um, yeah, not it, always for the best. Not, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Your judgment goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it allows you to drop so much of the resistance. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time, like that was me exploring like the shadow side, like the dark energy or, or really just like the the immature energy, sexual energy. Yeah. Um, yes. and, and it was like most things when things are suppressed they come out in a very explosive way mm-hmm. and that's what i mean that's what was happening and and fortunately with you like i always felt safe with you in mm-hmm. that way and so even though it wasn't safe for you necessarily mm-hmm. and for your nervous system didn't know that at the time yeah what but, is the nervous system <laughs> yeah yeah what is that uh what is safety even um and and i just felt that like I could express in that way with you Mm. even though I I, there was still like a lot of shame the next day it was like oh like why do I act like that like Mm -hmm. why is that coming out that way yeah Mm -hmm. so let's fast forward a bit so you had your your sexual debut in Mm -hmm. seventh grade which yeah I would classify as as young Mm -hmm. um because right like we think back at each part of my development you never think you're that young like, yeah. you're like, of course I would have sex at this age. And then I look back, I had my debut at 15, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I see 15 year olds now. I'm like, oh no, baby. No, oh, no, no, don't do it. Yeah. Um, and how different would it be if we had conversations with our children yeah. about what pleasure can be like, how to take care of your partner, how to take care of yourself. I just have a talk mm-hmm. at all. Right. Like you didn't have one. My, my first talk, I want to I share this. My first talk was I had a, a girlfriend in high school. Mm-hmm. We were, uh, I was probably around 15 or so. And we had sex for the first time. And she freaked out. Like, not, no, she, she just, she's like, oh my God, I think I'm pregnant. No. Yeah. yeah. Just like poor, like Again, lack first of time, lack of education, like not knowing, like we used protection, like all that. But it's just, 
this moment of like, oh, this is like new. And she talked to her parents and then we had this dinner where like, oh, so she we told said, her parents. Yeah. And yeah. We, we had this like dinner together and it was just like, like it wasn't, I, I think they were doing their best, but it was clear they hadn't had the sex talk either. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like this really awkward, like really constrict like contracting experience for me Mm. um that like further solidified like oh we don't talk about this and and when we do this is what happens well i imagine (laughs) they were bringing all of their discomfort around sex Mm -hmm. wanting to do the right thing right Mm -hmm. and but of course all you're fearing feeling energetically is how uncomfortable this is yeah how uncomfortable they are how uncomfortable i am just like this whole experience wow it gets mm-hmm. to be really different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, we what was I, I forget where I was going right before that. You're fast forwarding your Oh yeah, just so I'd love to hear a bit more about how so you started to have these experiences um in high school and then in college. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about there was a lot of suppression mm-hmm. and um navigating that. And so I'd love to hear because I think fraternities and fraternity sex can get a really bad rap mm-hmm. and you were in a fraternity and I met you on the other side of that experience. And I'd love to hear about as you got older, what sex started to look like then, like in your college years. Yeah. Um, similar to the way that we interacted, the majority of my sexual experiences were when I was drinking. Mm. Um, and usually just not, uh, not just like light drinking, but heavy drinking, um, and becoming a different person. And really at the time, like looking back, like having so much compassion for that, that boy, that was the only way, like I knew how to like tap into that energy was to, to, to drink and to go there. And so, um, you know, I, I had a, a lot of, um, a lot of sexual experiences in college and looking back, I knew then that I wasn't happy with the way that it was happening, meaning like meet a girl at a bar and like have a one eight stand. And, and I, I remember, uh, internally being like, ah, that doesn't feel good. Like, I don't like the way that this is happening. I don't like the way that I'm, um, interacting with these women and yet I didn't have another example. And so I would be this one person at night and then this interaction and then immediately swing like to the other end of the spectrum of like being like, like overly, um, like overly nurturing overly like, like I'm like sorry and apologetic. And it was just like this weird, awkward swing, like, and it was like, I didn't know how to be at any time. And mm-hmm. I was playing like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in, mm-hmm. in college. Um, and it was, I mean, with the way that my college went, it was like half the time I was drinking and in like party and like that, that like wildness coming out. And then half the time I was in like the good boy. And it was, um, it, uh, and it was, I don't want to say encouraged, but it was more the norm in what I experienced, mm-hmm. both from, from women and from men. And and I want to, um, yeah, I want to name that. It's just the environment is set up for that. Like yeah. that is what is the, 
experience that you are to have. It was the objective of the night. Right. Get drunk, find another partner, go home, Mm -hmm. hook up, rinse, repeat. Yep. Yeah. That was my four years of college. And, and, um, yeah. And, and I did that. Like even, and even when I had moments where I was like, I don't like, this doesn't feel good. I would still do it again. And I would do it again. And, um, I had a lot of, I think you experienced me going through a lot of that. I think I shared some at one of the retreats at some point, like enormous amounts of shame for like the way that I behaved during that time. And like, um, not even knowing the name of many of the women that I've, and it's just like that, those things really ate away at me for the entirety of our relationship together. They were just buried. And then as I started doing healing work, and this, we were together at 10 years at this point, but started doing the healing work and this stuff started coming up, which yeah. I imagine will go into probably affected the way I showed up sexually with yes. you as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Cause when you were talking about the, the drinking and using the drinking as essentially lubrication, mm-hmm. right? So that you could be your wild expressed self. It just made me think about how um, so many of our interactions specifically in the beginning were completely under the influence, mm-hmm. if not most of my sexual experiences as mm-hmm. well. And then hearing how, you know, you were having these swings from wild man to like good boy and feeling lost in which one of those was true. and realizing that they both are part of you Mm -hmm. and how different it would be if from a young age, we taught men about how to take care of their partners, what aftercare looks like, Mm -hmm. what consent looks like, what dropping into your body looks like so that you can actually feel your cock. And Mm -hmm. I know these are some things that we'll definitely keep diving into. Um, But I'd love to talk about the beginning of our relationship Mm -hmm. um, because I think these themes are going to be threaded throughout our actual uh, relationship. And I think that'll give more context too, because we can talk about specific mm-hmm. stories, but um, the arc of, I, I want to say like the standard American relationship. <laughs> it feels like, that way. Yeah. Where yeah. you meet, you're in lust for one another. There's attraction. Sex is great in the beginning. And then at some point something shifts and we think something is wrong or we have to work for it. But let's talk about the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. The the fun times. Fun times. Fun times. Tell me about what it was like for you in the beginning of our relationship, what sex was like. It was free. It was like we were just, ha- we have fun kids, basically. Mm-hmm. Fun kids having a fun time and like everything was about fun. And we did it. And like, I think we did it really well. Um, the the sex was... Um, what I at the time thought good sex was. It's like, we just had a lot of it. Yes. <laughs> we had a lot of it and, and in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it felt very free for me. Uh, it's still like looking back, it wasn't ever connected sex. No. It wasn't ever deep sex. It wasn't ever great sex, <laughs> but at the time it felt like it was. Sure. That was mm-hmm. all we knew. It's all we knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have said the same thing that I would have classified it as great sex. Mm -hmm. We were just having a lot and in adventurous places. Yeah. And it was like, we, we would like subtly and gently give each other permission to like dive into some fringe things and some edges. 
and like it felt like that was like exciting and exploratory even though it was just like <laughs> like looking back at what we know now it's like we we're just like exhibitionist a flavor of missionary but it was <laughs> yeah um, uh, we definitely both have exhibitionism in oh yeah, our for sure <laughs> chart because we would fuck in bathrooms at bars yep and um there was like a place that was like a back alley where there was like a bus <laughs> up against a bus yeah and yeah we'd had mm-hmm. sex in a lot of public places yeah Mm-hmm. middle middle of the lake but i would also say that was probably the only context of how i knew how to spice sex up yeah mm-hmm. so it's i like didn't exciting. have a reference mm-hmm. yeah of like anything else other than fucking a different place yep exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like slightly maneuvering your body to have your legs in a different place right. that was like the yeah. the yeah those are the variables the two yes yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we had a lot of wild outdoor sex and it's what's funny is I actually was reflecting on our relationship and the things that I wanted to talk about. And I remember, so when I met you, we were, I was 20, you were 23-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, you were just starting a business. Mm-hmm. He was my trainer. <laughs> and I was still in college and I had just come off of a string of just the worst empty sexual experiences where Mm. I was just looking for love in all the wrong places, meeting guy after guy, the experience we just talked about, like go to the bar, meet the guy, have sex, hope that he likes you. Mm -hmm. He loses interest right away. Rinse and repeat. And I was so just low self-esteem, low confidence. And I remember when I met you, I really liked you and I'll be damned. I was convinced. I was like, I am not fucking this guy for the first like 30 days. And I remember having to have that conversation with myself because it was so programmed in me mm-hmm. that if you have sex with a man too early, he will lose interest and he mm-hmm. will leave you. Mm-hmm. And it technically reinforced that story because I did wait about a month to have sex with you and you didn't lose interest. And mm-hmm. so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, there we go. I yep. cracked the code. You just got to withhold. <laughs> and I remember, I remember this text message. We were probably doing a lot of like, the bumpy, grindy, humpy <laughs> makeouts in the beginning, which are so fun. So fun. <laughs> um, and just like get each other aroused as fuck. Yep. And then I left. I drove home. Mm-hmm. And I remember you texted me and you said something like along the lines of you're driving me wild. or You're driving mm-hmm. me crazy. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, oh, I am powerful. <laughs> and interesting though, like mm-hmm. that was the first taste of me understanding how I could use sexual energy to essentially manipulate, manipulate men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, he is hooked. Yep. And if I wait longer, he's still going to be hooked. Mm. And it was so interesting to see the, the shadow side also yeah. of me withholding to keep you longer. Mm-hmm. But it worked. I kept you for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. So I remember withholding. Mm-hmm. And then I, I actually remember the first time we had sex. You had this ridiculous playlist. Yep. Do you remember? Yeah, the after party playlist. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes, the after party playlist. Yeah. And was it was it a recorded CD? I think it might have been <laughs> a CD, like a burned copy of a CD. I think so. Because I don't even think we had iPod. Uh, iPod. That's an iPod, right. I, think, I was like, yeah. we didn't have Spotify. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. iPod. That's right. Yep. Um. I still remember some of the songs on there. Mm-hmm. Bedrock being one of them. Bedrock, yeah. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous. Um, 
and R and B and hip hop mostly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then I remember after, right after the experience, feeling this drop of sadness of the fear of like, Oh no, am I going to lose him? Mm -hmm. Is he going to lose interest? Mm -hmm. We, we finally did it. And now the chase is over Mm -hmm. and it was fine. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Spoiler alert. We we continue to date. (laughs) Um, But what I want to talk about now is how, so that was, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, but as time went on, we continued to date. We eventually got married. We started two businesses together. I want to get into the challenges of our Mm -hmm. sex life because I think this is where so many people can relate. You know, like we said, in the new relationship energy, Mm -hmm. it's easy. Easy. The the chemicals that are firing are literally keeping you to just Mm -hmm. like in this lusty chemically pool of just attraction and seduction and um, love for one another. And then over time that wanes Mm -hmm. and over time we lost, I would say sexual attraction and polarity at times. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear from your perspective. What were some of the challenges that, when did it start? And then what were some of the challenges that were presented for you in our sex life? I think it, I imagine it started when we moved in together in like the house and we started working together and it was just, we were together all the time, all the time, all the time. And I think what started to happen was that we were in each other's energy all the time and we were doing life things, the life challenges that come up and, and rather than just handling them individually, we're always like co-processing everything. And so like by the time sex time came, I think we both were just like tired of each other in a way or like tired of being in that energy to the container together. Mm-hmm. And so, and then also on top of that, I, th- I just believe at least for myself and probably for you too, just physically tired and worn out and like just having nothing left in the tank ever. But, mm-hmm. um, the feeling of like, wow, I would just feel so much better if I just fell asleep and we didn't have sex. And I remember thinking that I don't, I don't believe I ever said it out loud, but like really like leaning into that. And then that just repeating every night. And every night, and not every night, um, we still, and this was the thing is for, for a while, and I don't know, I, timelines, I don't really know when this was, but we were still having fairly regularly sex, I believe for a married couple. I don't, I don't know what the average number that people talk about is, but um, we were still having regular sex, but I think there was some level of just realizing that it was disconnected. It, it wasn't feeling like fulfilling for for me or for you and it it like almost had a little started to have a flavor of resentment to it yeah yes because it was like oh i'm just doing this out of obligation Mm -hmm. um i'm just pleasure like i'm just pleasuring you or or attempting to pleasure you out of obligation yeah and i could feel it exactly Mm -hmm. yeah and vice versa vice versa yeah yeah you know, I remember um, there was definitely a, a time in which the switch flipped where, like you said, rather than being excited about sex, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the energy was avoidance. Mm-hmm. Like if I even thought 
sex was going to be on the table, I would like avoid. Yeah. Um, and feeling so confused about why that was happening and not sure where to go with this. Just, Mm -hmm. and I would say more so than not society affirming that this is normal. Normal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you just lose attraction for your partner. You lose attraction for sex. You'll have sex less often. It's a normal part of growing together. And now realizing sex is a barometer of health in the relationship. And had I known that and, and realized how it can be used to help us connect and grow, Mm -hmm. it would have been the biggest red flag, but it wasn't. I just, Mm. maybe deep down, I knew that it was, but all I saw at the time was a lack of interest. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I remember feeling there was a point where I was still, despite like the emotional drain and the energy drain, like the biology drive was still there for me. And so I remember pursuing you and just feeling rejected constantly. Mm. And, um, I think that really added to the resentment as well. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can only imagine. So interestingly enough, in our relationship, especially over time, you definitely, I would say, had a higher drive than I did. Mm-hmm. Part of that, I think we talked about this last night is I was on birth control from 15 to 25 mm-hmm. and it completely, I didn't know this at the time, but completely changed my desire for sex because when I got off of it, I literally felt my pussy come online. I was like, whoa, you're wetter crave dicks more like all of the (laughs) you like are horny again you can feel yourself ovulating i could feel the rhythms of Mm -hmm. my own desire so much more intensely and i didn't know that at the time i just thought this again thought it was normal Mm -hmm. but i had never experienced as a woman up until after we separated what it was like to be turned down for sex. Cause I guarantee there was not a single time in our relationship. Had I ever initiated mm-hmm. that you would have turned me down. No. Not, a chance. not a chance. And then before that I'd never been turned down in college. And it wasn't until after we separated where my next relationship, he had a lower drive than I did. Mm. And I remember feeling the pain of initiating and watching a person in front of me going, like I'm not interested and how it brought up a lot of shit for me facing the rejection and putting myself out there and feeling really exposed and feeling all of a sudden undesired. Mm. And so it gave me such empathy for, Oh my God, he felt that for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and there's the, the biological side to it. And there's also the cultural, like it was, it just brought up so much in me about like, what is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. And like, like can't be, can't even be a, like a man that can't be a good husband, can't be dot, 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 fill in the blank. Like you can't even have, you can't even have a great sex with your wife. And like that brought up so much for me about, um, yeah, just not being good enough, not being whole, complete, and um, just always feeling like I was lacking. And so at the time, like I would just cover it up with other things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
it's no surprise. Like you said, society says you should be able to please your woman, mm-hmm. provide, mm-hmm. make a lot of money, yeah. work really hard. Um, and you know, you take one of those things away and all of a sudden you're not a man anymore. Yeah. And I was just reinforcing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I was bumping up against was sex just wasn't satisfying me anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I realized I was losing desire because, well, A, I think the hormonal birth control was playing a big factor. B, you touched on polarity. We were consistently together. There was From the no, time we woke up to the time we went to bed. There was no separation whatsoever. I never had the chance to miss you. I never mm-hmm. had the chance to crave you. And I remember actually when you, there was a period of our relationship where. <laughs> yes. When you went away. Yep. Till I am. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Chris and I had two businesses together. We had a CrossFit gym and a meal delivery company. And randomly, this is like a whole other side story. (laughs) I submitted him as a hot, it was like shapes, top 50 hottest trainers in America. And I submitted you for this um, magazine and you ended up getting it. And as you know, (laughs) and what? I did. And uh, fast forward, a production company finds him in this magazine, mm-hmm. ends up interviewing him, and Chris ends up landing a TV show. Yeah. Just this, like blip in your life. <laughs> I where... forget that part of my life so often. <laughs> so he flies to LA to be on this TV show. And it was the first time in our entire relationship where I started to really like, understand how desire works and mm-hmm. longing works and feeling like, the stoking the flames of passion again. Like, oh, I can't wait to be with you. I can't wait to have wild sex when we come back together. But had we not had that moment, I don't think I would have realized like, oh, there's something to creating intentional space to create desire in a relationship. Yeah. The best we did was we had separate offices. Yeah. I think we we had to, but I could still see you. I know, hear you. Distance. I know. Yes. Yeah. 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 So important. So you, important. I remember that, like, as one of the happiest times in my life because there was separation in my life. There's separation in my work, separation in my relationship, separation in my home. Like, and you wrote me this beautiful love letter. Yeah. You sent mm-hmm. me shoes. Yeah. Like, I remember all these things happening. Of like, ooh. Yeah. yeah look at our relationship. I know. And at the time, I wasn't even like aware or conscious of what I was doing. It was just like, oh, with this like longing, with this like space, like I actually, the desire came back in. It was like. And I know so many couples have just experienced the opposite of that, having just gone through this pandemic where everybody Mm. was inside all the time, Mm -hmm. having to spend a lot of time with our spouses, people weren't going to work anymore. And probably also wondering why their sex life was just tanking. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's no separation. So even if it is, like you said, sleeping in separate bedrooms yeah. can create a desire and a um, just create that spark again mm-hmm. and doing it with intention, not because you're holding resentment or you just like can't stand to see each other. It's like, I'm actually going to do this before it's a problem so that we can create and keep that desire between one another. And I remember actually, it's funny starting to like clue in on this when we were traveling in the RV. So as if we didn't have enough time spent together, (laughs) we sold all of our belongings and moved into an RV that was 120 square feet with two dogs because we wanted to be closer. Yeah. What could possibly go go wrong? wrong? 
<laughs> and I remember asking you to take me on a date where I wanted you to leave mm-hmm. for the day mm-hmm. and then pick me up I as if we that. were living separately. Yeah. So even my 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 pussy knew. Yep. You need him to go away so you can want him again. Mm-hmm. So I just went on a bunch of different tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I remember really starting to experience the the lack of, like I said, lack of desire, birth mm-hmm. control being yep. one, spending too much time together. But then I want to talk about not knowing ourselves sexually and how that mm-hmm. played a role. Mm-hmm. So knowing what you know now, what would you say were some of the things that were suppressed or things that you didn't have access to that you can now see you just, they hadn't come online yet or you didn't even know how to access them? That's a great question. Um, I think at a, like at a, a thinking level, my model was porn mm-hmm. for sex. Mm-hmm. And so hard and fast and like that, like really, uh, ag- take it to pound down. Yep. Aggressive. And, um, so I think from just the pure, like knowledge thinking standpoint, I just only had this one model and like, that's what I was going after. Um, but I think also equally as important, I think energetically, I couldn't feel below my belly button. Mm. I couldn't feel my cock. I couldn't feel like my hips, my my sexual center, uh, my genitals. I I could not feel them. Like if I like if I tune in now, like get there immediately. But I never had any sensation. Um. And so I think for me, it was a purely physical act that was like, check this box, then this happens, then you check this box, then this happens. Literally. And then like, that was all sex was. Yes. Um, and, you know, uh, it started with, I, I would say uh, like what started opened up my eyes was the work we did with, with training camp and the emotional side of just understanding the needs of the feminine and the needs of the masculine and like the desires and like what drives us. And can you just, touch a bit on that? Um, that's, that's a big topic. Just enough so that somebody listening that they don't know those desires and needs can start to understand. Yeah. So I would, I would say like the, the big one that I talk about, focus on a lot of time is the feminine's need for safety from the masculine to open. And I, at the time, was so like unattuned to you, and in that contain in the in sex was just focused on on like like the physical act, and my actions were creating the opposite of safety. Even though you probably were like, oh, I don't, why well, I don't feel safe. I don't even know if that was on your radar at the time, but closed you down so much that like connected sex wasn't even an option. So I was disconnected. You were disconnected. The way we were doing it was closing us both down even more. Um, And I feel you closed down. So I would close down. So it was just like this downward cycle of closing Mm -hmm. basically. And um, yeah, uh, I forgot what the original question was, but I think that was, um, so the thinking, the energetic side, um, I had no 
I had no sexual practices. I had no whatever. No I, mas- like no. Were you masturbating? Not really. Yeah. No, not not really. No, um, I wasn't much either. I think the the when I started in our relationship is when we stopped having sex yeah. as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the sex started to slow down a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think I started masturbating again, and like that brought up a lot for me, but couldn't talk about it because right. God forbid, God forbid, we talk about desires, it. Desires, <laughs> yeah, I or know. that you, yeah, are pleasuring yourself. Yeah, I would have assumed something was wrong, like mm-hmm. something's wrong with me. Yep. Um. Yeah, and I, gosh, you hearing you talk about our sex life of it really did feel. I remember like having this moment where. Like if we do the same routine one more time, I'm going to die. Yep. Like we make out, probably finger me for a, a minute or touch two, your boobs a little bit. touch your boobs yep. and then your cock is hard. And then we have missionary or doggy style. You come, maybe I come. And if I don't come, then you're going to pleasure me for a little bit afterwards. And then we both roll over and end of story. Sleep. And it was no wonder that yeah. I was starting to, feel resentful towards that process. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of, I think one of the ways that I saw the challenge in reflection was I didn't know what I liked. I wasn't connected to my own pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have any feedback to give you. I didn't know how to guide you. We certainly weren't talking through things in sex. And I was so disconnected from my own body that how in the world could I expect for you to know how to please me, let alone I didn't know how to please me. And so I was, yes, I was feeling, I'm sure, lack of safety. I don't think I would have described it as that. Um, It was more so just, it felt monotonous, Mm -hmm. routine-like and um, disconnected. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I, I didn't have any self-pleasure practice in our relationship. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine mm-hmm. not having that as a part of my my needs. Mm-hmm. Me meeting my own sexual needs first and foremost, and then also having a relationship where we are talking about it and using sexual development to grow together. And I do, I have a lot of empathy for us because we didn't fucking know. <sighs> I had no idea that yeah. you could hire a sex coach. Yep. What? Yeah. Mind-blowing that wasn't even an, like an option that we knew about, let no. alone like would explore. No, yeah. no idea. And, and also one thing I want to speak to is di- like, even though you, you didn't, ha- you didn't have access to what you wanted and maybe you knew that what was happening wasn't what you wanted. I don't think I would have been able to receive feedback. No. Like just that f- little delicate ego of like, like not do a good, good job. Oh, yeah. oh. Right. Yeah. Well, we talked about this. Um, we were, you know, debriefing last night and just re- reminiscing on all of the times. And I remember something used to happen sexually between the two of us that used to trigger this essentially repulsion in me where I was like, I'm just mm. so unattracted to what is happening right now. And now I can see so clearly it was because you were almost stunted in a way Mm -hmm. sexually, but you would access almost like baby talk. Yeah. And I could see now it was you just so uncomfortable in your own sexual energy. And I was craving you to essentially like ravish me and be more dominant. Mm -hmm. And instead I was meeting your like little boy side. Mm -hmm. And again, instead of being able to have a conversation around it, I probably just shamed the fuck out of you for it or Mm -hmm. like, 
shut down or it made you feel wrong for it. I don't remember what I would do. I just remember feeling all of a sudden like really confused about the energy you were giving me and also um, frustrated because Mm. my body was just not interested in what you were Mm -hmm. showing me. Right. Yeah. And then you talked about the energetics. You know, I think about now knowing the average length of time that it takes for a woman even to be fully aroused. Yeah. It's, I think it's like 27 minutes, something like that on average. Mm -hmm. And not to say every sexual experience needs to have that full range. Sometimes quickies are delicious and fun. Um, But really underutilizing things that were allowing me to get more into my body. And therefore, something we haven't talked about yet was I experienced a lot of pain during sex. So of course, again, I wasn't desiring sex because it was not only not pleasurable, it was painful and not the type of pain I was craving. Yeah. (laughs) That I later discovered. Yeah. You know, like I remember almost a year and a half of chronic pelvic pain Mm -hmm. and how confusing that must've been for you as my partner to try to navigate your own desires and needs where I didn't even want to put a tampon in. Mm. It was so uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that was around the time where we did actually started talking about, I remember you sharing that is like, when we have sex, I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. And like, that was just like, Oh my God, like, how could I even like want to desire to do this? If I'm literally harming my partner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that like, where a lot of it like like all of it kind of came together around that same time frame we started to talk about and we started to understand each other a little bit more what was happening and my first entry point too to understanding the emotional connection to the body Mm -hmm. and how i'd gone to some of the best doctors in the country yeah pelvic pain specialists i went and saw a urologist i went to um, Shan's clinic in Gainesville. And I remember like getting up to the best of the best because mm-hmm. yeah. I had a dear friend that helped me and nobody, nobody could tell me there was anything wrong with me. Yeah. They're like on paper, everything is clear, mm-hmm. but I felt essentially like I had what I would describe as a chronic UTI, even though I didn't and pelvic pain for truly a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And now I can see like the deep, deep, deep repression that was happening sexually, not to mention like my past sexual traumas that I had never fully gone into. And then on top of it, I was essentially enduring during our sex life, right? Like, so even though I was a a verbal yes, my body was a no to a lot of the sex because it hurt. And so I just kept going into these experiences over and over and over again until literally she was screaming at me, Mm -hmm. like, we have to pay attention to what is happening. And so that was honestly not that long before our like spiritual awakening too. Yeah. So, um, gosh, so many things. So many things. We could go in many directions. Yeah. So, okay. So we, we started to really go into this, you know, had the strong desire in the beginning, new relationship energy ends. We had like consistent sex and then we started to have really inconsistent sex. Mm-hmm. And then I would say sexless towards the end. Yeah. And and the way we were, I I had mentioned we started to talk about it, but the way we talked about it was just projecting like anger and frustration yeah. on, onto the other person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it wasn't actually, we weren't actually having conversations, no. but we, we never did through the end. No. Like we never had any conversations around no. that weren't just 
angry at you for this. Sure. And frustrated. Why can't you please me? Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of, like you said, projection for sure. Not taking any personal responsibility Mm -hmm. for both of us. Yes. Um, And what's interesting is when we both started to do healing work, and when I say healing work, specifically, we were learning how to feel our feelings, understand how emotions work in the body, understand at the level of sensation, understand full expression of those emotions and what it looked like to create safety in your own. At the very end, right before I think we fully separated, had probably my first experience ever, maybe your first experience ever with, and and the only time it happened in our entire relationship, the most connected sex we'd ever had. Yeah. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, it was like literally right before we fully it was separated. Right before we fully separated. Um, you know, we, we were both open, uh, very open. We were both being more honest with, with each other. We were, uh, sharing more of ourselves. Um, cause it was, I think it was at the point to where we both were just like, something's wrong. Yeah. And so, we, even though we weren't like solving the problems, we were at least being open with each other. Mm-hmm. I think it was shortly before that, that I truly started to take responsibility for myself. So I was seeing you very differently. I can't speak for you, but like, I was just seeing you very differently. I was having like, um, just feeling like a, a lot of just like really like deep love and compassion and understanding for you. And then also, um, at the same time, like, um, I, it was many quote unquote ego deaths after a while. Like I, at the time, like I wasn't holding this like big, strong story of my ego anymore. And I was just like, look, I I don't, I don't know. There was like a lot of like almost surrendering in in that stage of the process for me individually and us in our relationship was like, look, I, I just. I don't know. And I think I let down a lot of the walls. Yeah. I mean, if you think about what kills sex for so many couples, what's between you and your partner, meaning Mm -hmm. what resentments are there? Because that shit is absolutely going to eat away at you in Mm -hmm. the bedroom. Um, And we had cleared so much of those resentments, even though I think we were still clear that we were separating. We were having really honest conversations and had just done this thing called holding the bucket for one another where we allowed and and went into all of the things that we had been holding on to. We cleared almost all of them and then had this fantastic, but also sad sad. connected sex where I think we locked eyes for the first time for longer than like four seconds. Mm -hmm. And I remember the second I orgasm just bursting Mm -hmm. into one of the deepest sobs I've ever gone into. And it's interesting. Well, I guess it was deeply sad. It was just like held you in that. Yes. Yeah. And it was one of the, if not the only time in my life I'd ever understood sex as something more connected than just the physical act. Like, oh, I just accessed something really deep inside of me. And orgasm was just one of the access points to that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really understanding how open I could feel. And it was terrifying absolutely terrifying being so seen by you so open so 
naked in more ways than one. And then realizing that my emotions could be running through me during sex and then I could be held in them. It was like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. And that was the last time we ever had sex. Yeah. Um, so we separate. And the first thing we both did, hire sex coaches. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear about what you learned in hiring a sex coach as a cock owner. That's mm, cock owner. Proud cock owner. <laughs> Flag carrying cock owner. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, uh, card carrying, I think, is the flag waving <laughs> card carrying. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just pictured a dick waving a flag when you said that. Oh, that could happen too. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I forgot the question. Was it? What did you learn in hiring a sex oh, coach? Oh, okay. Because um, we both ironically did it separately. Yeah, I don't separately. even think we knew that each other were doing it. Yeah. It was, um, it was shortly after, like almost immediately after, like we fully separated and, um, I just, my thought process was I had, I knew that that was an area of my life I was dissatisfied with. Like clearly we just, we just spent We, it we never a, cracked the code. Yeah. We, we never cracked the code. And there was a dissatisfaction there. And it was also a period of my life to where I had. Uh, with the help of other people that I, I hired and were around me, dug up some things that I spent a lifetime not looking at. And so it was like those two things together. It was like, oh, aha, um, there's an area of my life I'm not dissatisfied. And there are people out there that can help me get more satisfied with it. And so um, I, think I, I, I think I just asked like a few people, asked a few people for recommendations. And um, I ended up... Uh, uh, I think it was December 2019. It's like yeah. right when I started working with Alexa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So funny. Um, yeah, it was, it was right when I came back from Columbia. Mm-hmm. That was, that was one of the clear messages. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, I knew I wanted to do it. I, I think our discovery call was like five minutes. So I was like, yep, doesn't, I don't need to know what, what's involved like i was mm-hmm. just like Take my money. yep yep and that's literally how i hire coaches now when i know same. i know and i'm same. like yeah t- we can do this sales call but like i'm in both working from intuition yeah <laughs> yeah and um yeah it was uh not at all what i expected um i i thought that it was going to be just like like skills and technical and like this is how you do sex <laughs> and it honestly ended up being like a lot of like emotional healing, a lot of like guided meditations and visualizations, a lot of like deep emotional work, a lot of like reconnecting sensation um, energetically to my cock and then also physically as well. So there were physical practices too mm-hmm. that um, I, I, I remember taking it on the way that I did uh, a lifetime of physical training. I was like, oh, this is just the training for the day. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I'm just going to commit to these things. And, um, I did. And it was, I remember like I was starting to have, um, shortly after hiring a sex coach, I, I didn't, um, connect with any woman for months after our separation. But, um, shortly after that, I was starting to have more experiences with women. I was like, whoa, like that's when it really started to hit me. Cause when I was on my own, I was just 
I was just training. I was doing the yeah. thing. I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, things are getting better. Things are great. But then when I, I was like, whoa. I was like, I'm fucking different. Yeah. And this was just after a few months of working with the sex coach. I ended up uh, working with her for about six months. Um, and it was one of the, it was one of the best decisions that I made. Um, I don't, I know that I wouldn't be as satisfied with that area of my life as, as I am now without that. Um, and it was, it was simply the first experience that I had of a, of a healthy relationship to sex. Yeah. Period. Isn't that wild? As yeah. a 30, 30 something year old three. man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same. Yeah. I, I hired my first sex coach at 30 and yeah. yeah. Experience. And it was, um, it was so, I think it was the perfect combination of like what I needed to actually know with healing a lot of the emotions and the programming and the shame around sex and the stories around it um with also just like a really safe container yeah yes. and like those are just the perfect ingredients and so I, I yeah i love that you named the emotional side because um you know i joke with some of my clients that they come to me thinking they're going to get all of these tips and tricks and vibrator secrets and cervical orgasms and that's a part of it but we have to look at what's underneath the hood first, mm-hmm. pun intended. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, what is the story and the energy that you are holding inside of you that is keeping you from being able to access the pleasure you actually desire? Because chances are, it is not just that I need to show you this one type of vibrator. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll show you that and I'll give you the code and you can order the vibrator and you'll have a good old time. But what is it that's keeping you from taking it out of the package and keeping it on your nightstand Mm -hmm. and not prioritizing your pleasure because you don't think you're worthy of it Mm -hmm. or you put everything and everyone else first before you put your own pleasure first. And so I love that you had a simultaneous experience of unpacking the stories. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the first tasks Alexa gave me was to um, look at my vulva and vagina in a mirror. Mm -hmm. And I remember sobbing sobbing because again as a 30 year old woman I had never done that with intention outside of just like glancing you know on my way to the bathroom and feeling the layers of shame and disgust and repulsion mixed with eventually getting to access like deep admiration Mm. and beauty and love and like awe of this part of me and feeling all of a sudden this relationship to this part of my body that I had never cultivated before and realizing like, this is the part of me. I could cry just talking about it. This is the part of me that will bring a child into this world. And how could I have ignored her for so long and feeling so sad about not having that relationship to my sex and thinking, you know, for years and years and years, like that a, a period is something to be ashamed of that it is a burden so every time I bleed feeling shame annoyance um feeling disgust about the way that my this part of my body looked feeling embarrassed all the way now to the other side of that like being able to have somebody worship this part of me and being open to receive that and being actually able to let that in and I imagine similar experiences for you very very similar it's yeah like the the shame of like hiding your boner and like yeah. the the process of um 
for me, it was like I came like with a deep story that like my dick hurts people like mm. emotionally, physically yeah. like, with the experience with you. Yeah. Um, and it just causes pain and suffering in the world. And like, it was just like, there was moments Ooh. where I remember thinking like, I wish I didn't have a dick. Mm. And it was just so, it was like, fuck this thing. Like it acts on its own. It's completely like, and, um, that was the same experience I had was both, it was the first time I started forming a relationship with, with that part of myself. Mm -hmm. And it's such a powerful part of our being. And, uh, I see so many, even men that have done a lot of work still disconnected from that piece. Yeah. Cause it's, it's still, it's still, and, and thank you for what you're doing and the work that you and Alexa are doing and all the, the sex positive humans in our circle and our friends. And, um, because it's still largely under the rug and it's, um, I, I, at least I witness it from a lot of men and all these men's groups and men's work that I do, um, without the safety and the permission even like really well-intentioned men with great hearts and, and, and doing mental and emotional work still aren't diving into this part yeah. and really owning it and really getting in touch with it. Yes. Mm -hmm. It seems to be the last piece of the puzzle for most people. It was for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be a piece of the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So whether it's the last piece for you or the first piece, I mean, I think about now each of our own individual lives and how we're approaching dating and how we're approaching sex differently and how just knowing that this is something we now get to bring into the relationship at the forefront, it does make a difference. So if it can be something you work on earlier, great. Yeah. And wherever you are and wherever you choose yeah. to start is great too. Right. And it's never too late. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. Yes, we didn't happen to figure it out while in relationship with one another and that's okay that was our path but there are plenty plenty of relationships mm -hmm. that come to us that say like we want more out of our sex life mm -hmm. and it is possible to have yeah. more it's possible to have uh, of sex lives that you really love and it takes doing some of this deep emotional work absolutely and it also takes getting to know your desires and so one of my last questions and then we'll start rounding this out is <laughs> what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself sexually now? Like what are some of the desires you've tapped into and what are the, some of the things you're excited to keep exploring? Love it. Um, and I love that we can have this conversation and not just like <laughs> triggered as fuck, which I'm sure was like a whole other thing in and of itself. But yeah. uh, mm -hmm. now we talk about our own sex lives with each other and it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's, I think we've both, I, I always say this when I talk about you, I just, the way that we've both done our own individual work and just normalize these parts of our lives that are important to us. And, um, yeah, it's. And for a while there was a lot of consent. It was like, Hey, yes. I have something I want to yes. share. Okay are I you am? okay mm -hmm. if I share this with you? Yeah. And sometimes I would say yes. And then realize afterwards I didn't actually mean it. And then we'd have to unpack it on the other side. And I think we're both really at a place where the yes means yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So, and, and also trusting the other person has like full resources, like resource to say like, okay, that's yes. a boundary. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So back to your um, desires. What are some things you're excited about that you're yeah, interested in? <laughs> um, there, so I would say the, the, and we talked about this a little bit. We talked about the sex quiz and everything. And I, I came back as like highly sexual. He's talking about the erotic blueprint. Erotic, thank you. Erotic blueprint. Uh, you it's know much more quiz. about this than I do. Yes. And I um, recommend taking it. Yeah. Same. Um, and so I came back very sexual was like number one. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Sexual guy. Ugh. Sexual meaning like straight up physical. sex is a primal physical thing. They think of sex like. Um, breathing air and drinking water. It, to them, it is a basic need and it is typically without the bells and whistles. It is like penis and vagina, straight up penetrative. You come, you're done. Mm -hmm. That is, and I'm sure there's more to it than mm -hmm. that, but that would be a good summarization. Yeah, for sure. And that that's how I experienced sex at that time. And I think when I took it, um, it was, <laughs> it, that was the only option that I had access to. Sure, and so, um, I, I will say that like in my development, like, um, I saw you diving more into, um, into kink and to BDSM and it was initially very triggering for me. Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. It was very triggering for me. I remember you like talking about some work that you were doing with partners and, and, and workshops. And I remember being very triggering and, and it brought a lot of judgment mm. to that practice and i i remember this so often there was a there was like a period of time where i was starting to get really accepting of others and like oh that's an option cool like that's for, and i was like and that's for them that's not for me mm. and so there was this period of time where like my like my perspectives were broadening of mm -hmm. like what's possible, mm -hmm. but I was still like, and not for me, not for me, not for me, not for me, not for me. And so I was like in the rooms of the, the, the sex parties and this and that, but like, I was like, okay, and this is my boundary. This is my, mm -hmm. um, and that that's great. Like that's having right, boundaries. Yeah. yeah. What I started to tap into as I got more comfortable in myself was is this a boundary because of uh, a cultural or familial or just generational um, belief that I'm holding a story, essentially? Is this a story or am I truly, is my heart just not for this? Mm -hmm. And when I started to unpack that, most of my judgments around sex, even at this point where I was accepting of others, were still stories. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Fuck. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> yeah, here we go. More story work. Here we go. Yeah. Um can you give some examples? Um yeah. Or so, a example. So um one was definitely like BDSM and kink. Okay. Um, what was the story? Um outside it, of it's not for you. Like it, so like some some things were come up of like, oh, it's just like distraction or it's like it's for people that don't have good sex to like spice mm. it up. It's for people that have like, like weird fantasies or mm -hmm. something like sure. that. And they've got these, meanwhile, like shit that goes on. <laughs> um, and so like, there was a lot of like judgment around it. And what was more accurate was I just hadn't experienced it period. 
and I hadn't experienced it in a container that I felt comfortable to explore sure. in. Um, and then I did. And, you and now know, you're a kinky fuck too. I'm kinky as fuck. <laughs> and um, it's funny, the the two things that showed up, and I'm curious if I continue to take this erotic blueprint, how it changes, but um, the two that come up the highest for me are energetic and kink. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the work that I do and what I'm diving into mm-hmm. in the, the kink side. But um, I got really into Tantra. And I got really into the energetics of our sexual, sexual energy. And, sure. um, and so that like immediately started clicking for me. That made sense. Like um, those practices were things that I was already like doing, but for a different purpose or different reason. Um, so Tantra really, really spoke to me. Um, and again, I thought that was like weird, like Eastern, like, like ancient, like that's not for the modern world. That's not for real people. Um, and got into, uh, sub and dom, uh, like dynamics and absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I think just like, I, I have a really solid, like, um, em- bodied comfort in being the dominant like a dominant role like leading and really like creating a safe container um, for a partner and i also experimented with the sub side of it too mm-hmm. um i got went through a full like three hour shibari rope tying bdsm experience and it was one of the most transformational experiences of my mm. life uh i still say yeah. to this day it was like including like heavy psychedelics it was the most relaxed my body had ever been mm-hmm. it was literally melting mm-hmm. my body was melting and and so my my body was relaxed and my system was relaxed yeah and it was like a it was it was fight till i can't fight anymore to surrender like true surrender yeah yeah give me goosebumps and so now like i i i do that like i have the toys and i have the ropes and i've done uh i've, I've tied up some partners and um it's so and and with and without sex like Mm -hmm. with penetrative sex yeah um it's not even necessary oftentimes um necessary is a silly word but sure i understand what you're saying (laughs) um not necessarily an erotic exercise in and of itself right right and so those are those are some of the the main things and then also like (sighs) accepting the fact that like um I'm highly open sexually Mm -hmm. and I'm open to like exploring um, different modalities with one person or exploring with multiple people. Um, And yeah, had, had some, some sex party experiences and some threesome experiences. And um, when I went into them with clear intentions, with clear boundaries, with clear, knowing how to create safety in myself, they were amazing and beautiful and like so different than what I like, again, I was like, this is just like another thing that like weird people do because mm-hmm. they're like, they're not happy with their sex mm-hmm. life with one person, but mm-hmm. it's not that. Oh. No, it's, Oh, it's, and it's so beautiful. And, um, definitely ex- exhibitionist. Is that what you said? Exhibitionist is, that- is somebody that likes to have sex. Um, in a place where they can be seen by others. For sure. 
<laughs> for sure. And then also, um, I would say that one of the biggest things that shifted for me, and you brought it up in relative to like how I was showing up and that like contracted you is I've just matured in who I am. Mm-hmm. And I know now that I can tap into the wild fucking animal inside of me and bring that out in a way that's not only just safe, but fucking desired. Mm-hmm. And, and literally, like, I love the process of desiring and ravishing and taking, um, of course, with full consent, with, with partners that are like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, more. And more, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the part that, like, I've finally, like, that is something that I think when I was going through the process of the drinking and the shadow side coming out, I was like, that's what wanted to be, come yeah. out. But, like, I didn't know how to do it in a way that was safe for myself and for another. Yes. And now I I do. And, yeah, it's it's... It's powerful and it's connecting and it's mm-hmm. sexy as fuck mm-hmm. and mm. yeah I, we alex and i unpacked this on a previous show where we talk about this series sex life on netflix mm. and there's this woman who um she has a safe loving marriage of x many years two babies mm-hmm. it it brought up a lot about our relationship yeah. because i i saw a lot of parallels in what she experienced and then she starts to reminisce on her life before and the wild sex she used to have and, (laughs) and wanting to create more of that like danger and excitement into her current relationship. And it, Mm. you accessing this like wild, uh, I like to call it the the killer archetype, Mm -hmm. right? Like the, the man that can provide and kill for you, Mm -hmm. like that is doing it with access to his darkness Mm -hmm. um but in a conscious and um intentional way versus like you said through like alcohol and Mm -hmm. it coming out unintentionally um and so many partners really craving that and i think what is clear for me on the other side of our separation is just wanting access to range yeah range and that's what we didn't have in our relationship is we only had one flavor one style one routine that we used and we both ironically took personal responsibility afterwards and got access to our own range yeah of the the different flavors because yeah sometimes just straight up missionary Mm -hmm. like a quickie Uh fucking hits the spot Uh and i also want to have access to being tied up spanked fucked with mentally um, like being able to do breath work and eye gazing. Yeah. Or like slow and sensual, yeah. like night long experience. Of, right. Yeah. Where we're, you know, doing psychedelics yeah. and mm-hmm. accessing like blast off into <laughs> outer space. Right. And you come and see all sorts of shapes and fireworks and, um, yeah. So I think that to me is the takeaway in all of this. It's like, what inner work do you have to do? Re- to take full responsibility of your own desires and what flavors of sex mm-hmm. you want to learn. And then if you're in partnership, then you learn how to do the dance together. So you do the work one-on-one individually, and then you also come back together mm-hmm. for the collective. Um, because there is an importance in knowing yourself really well first 
sometimes, yes, you can bypass that part. I don't know if bypass is the right word, but you can work on the relationship together. But at some point, you're always going to have to go back to your own unique stories, emotional blockages, challenges, because that shit's not going anywhere. And if you leave one relationship, like had we left our relationship and not done that work and gone into partnership, all of that shit would have showed up again. Mm. But we did the work. High five. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to leave with one question. Mm. So I imagine a lot of people listening, whether it is the partner or the person themselves, they want to know how to start the conversation of, let's say like they're listening to this episode and they're resonating and they're going like, yeah, sex Mm. is just not satisfying. Like I'm not feeling good about our sexual relationship, how would you want somebody to approach you to be able to have that conversation? What are the things that they could say and how could they do this in a way that is received and what to do if it's not received? Mm, a lot in there. <laughs> Here's uh, another 45 <laughs> minutes of this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll hit it at different levels. So first up is I think one of the most important levels is the level of energetics. So what is the energy underneath of or behind what you're doing and what Mm. you're sharing? So if it's coming, what I mean by that is if it's coming from a place of this person isn't good enough, so I'm going to give them my peace of mind to make them better and to fix them. It doesn't matter what comes after that. If that's the energy, it's not going to be received. Yeah. It's not going to be effective. It may be like effective for a little moment in time of like, okay, like, the, but it's not. But if it comes from the energy of love, comes from the energy of uh, taking individual responsibility, if it comes from the energy of just true um, compassion for this person and understanding and desire to just grow together, yeah. um, if it comes with that, like the words can be clunky. But if that person feels the, just the genuine love that's coming, coming from this, like you can literally say anything. Yeah. I love that. Um, a, a way to let someone into that world, into that heart space, into like letting them feel your love is, um, is, is first you have to be there yourself. So showing up in that way, being in a really calm state, not bringing this up when you're in an argument, not bringing this up mm-hmm. when you're uh, in sex, not bringing this up when, when there's like tension. Not weaponizing not it. Not weap, thank you. That's perfect. Not weaponizing it. Um, and then, and then saying, saying things like, uh, if this is like a new conversation for you, hey, hey, I, I want to share something with you. I want to bring something up and this is uncomfortable. A part of me is really uncomfortable to share this. Like, I don't know how to do it. Like words like that, where you're just like really vulnerably expressing like, like this is, this is like, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this right now. I'm feeling uncomfortable. And what that does is that starts to set the stage for your partner that like, like oh, this isn't, this isn't the normal way we interact where we're just, constantly on defense with each other mm. and I, I say normally really like that's not normal mm-hmm. but i see that's how a lot of people react to, to each other is this constant defense is going up but um it's like oh this is different um and 
So that, that sets the stage and then asking just be like, Hey, is it okay if we, we, we talk about this? Like, is this a good time? Like when yeah. would be a good time to do this? Oh, you're just consent con- to share. Yep. You're, you're con- continuously building the safety, building the consent, building, um, and, and it, all of this is bringing your partner in to, uh, like this safe, loving experience, which mm-hmm. is exactly how we want to address this. Um, and then in the, in the actual communication, one of the, the, uh, I can't remember who I, who I heard this from for the first time, but, um, I love saying, I love you more than anything that we're going to talk about in this conversation. Mm. So like Mm. the tactical, the emo, like, I love you more than all of that. Mm. I love you more than any feedback I'm about to give you. Mm. And and then going into um, whatever it is. Um, you love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at this point, it like the words mean so little if you show up in that way. Mm. And you can like, it, it's like learning it, learning to dance together for the first time. You can step on each other's toes through the words. If you both want to be on the dance floor and you can look each other in the eyes and be like, yeah, I want to dance with you. Like, we'll figure this shit out together. Yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And how different that conversation would be than if somebody said to me, like, I'm not happy with our sex life. This isn't working for me. Yeah. I need for you to do better. Or, and I know it doesn't always come out that way, but like you said, the energy behind what you're saying Mm -hmm. is resentment, anger. And so what I imagine needs to happen is you take care of that first. Like you yeah. go beat the fuck out of your pillow. You mm-hmm. go scream under the water in the bathtub. Like you allow yourself to really indulge in the expression of what it is you're feeling before you go to the conversation, knowing energy is probably still going to move in that conversation. And I encourage it too. So for example, if you are feeling heartbroken because you're not feeling desired in your relationship. A, you get to have that and B, show them your heartbreak. So if you come to them and you are just grieving and sad and allowing mm-hmm. yourself to show the tears of like, I just so deeply desire to work on our sex life because I love you. Mm-hmm. That is a very powerful way to open a conversation. So I love those tips. That was really powerful. Um, and I will say, it's simple and not always easy to have these conversations. Like simple is in the, what you want to express. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not a lot necessarily there, but it's not necessarily an easy conversation, Mm. especially Mm. if you still have to unpack some of that programming around shame and talking about sex and yeah, there's a lot there. And that's why I, that's why I think I, I want to reiterate again. It's so important to both be in consent that we're in this, mm-hmm. like we're both choosing to be in this. Cause if one person is like, uh, I'm not sure I want to be in this or both people are like, not sure I want to be in this. As soon as it gets challenging, Hit the they dip the fuck out. Yeah. And so that's the first important thing is making sure that is like clear and safe for you both to be in it. We choose each other. Choose each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Choose each other in this moment, in this conversation, in this interaction. Yeah. 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 And, and <sighs> enormous amounts of forgiveness, love, and compassion. Yeah. 
can make any conflict loving. Mm. The other thing I will share is that I imagine you have um, both male and female listeners. Mostly. However they yeah, identify. However, yeah, however they identify. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Lots. Um, thank you. And it doesn't matter what you identify biologically at. You can take the lead in this in your relationship. I want to, I, I, I really like to lean into that because sometimes what keeps people from addressing is the hope that the other person will go first. Yep. And if that's there for you, you can be the one to change the thing that you desire. You can be the leader in love. Yeah. Love that. Leader in love. Yeah. And so, so I urge, like, if, if anyone's listening and you are at the level of awareness, you are at yeah. the level where you, you're ready to do, like, do it. Be, yep. the, be the one that takes the first step. The, the partner that you desire will, will step right in there with you. Mm-hmm. Or they won't. And thank God you addressed it now and yes. they chose now and, and not yeah. whatever. Yeah, I love that you touched on that because um, there will be people that bring this to a partner and they are met initially with resistance and over series of conversations that resistance starts to break down. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to preface that any of these things may be a one and done conversation. No. They may. That would be dope, but I'm going to set the stage that it's probably going to take a lot more time to break generations of Mm -hmm. patterns. And there may be a type of relationship where let's call it three months of you bringing this up, working as hard as you can to be the leader in love, to express your desire. You're meeting your own needs, but they're consistently not being met in the relationship and they're not willing to meet you. Then that's where we have an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think of it as like in this relationship, have I gotten to the point to where I am at consistently 100% responsibility and what I can bring into mm-hmm. it. And if that's consistently time and time again, showing up and the other person isn't showing up in 100% responsibility, like that's different. Yeah. And only you can decide correct what when and is. if that doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. I think a lot of people, because of what we created and what we did and how we separated with such love, they come to me and they Mm. want to know how to leave their relationship and they want to know when to leave their relationship. And I always tell people, I cannot make that decision for you. I will never make that decision for you. All I can do is empower you to show up, like you said, the best that you can in your relationship with everything that you've got, being the leader in love. Being able to say, like, I gave this everything because there were times where I could not say that I did that. And so now I can support people in learning through what I didn't do as well as with what I did do that worked. And then they can consistently show up their best self. And only then will they know. Mm -hmm. And I I work with them to understand you will know. We will build your capacity to hear your inner knowing that when and if it is time to walk away or time to just continue to go deeper. So thank you, Chris. This is a really great conversation. We covered a lot of really powerful things in terms of what a real like 10 year relationship looked like behind the scenes where sex wasn't working. And then what we did to step into our best sexual selves Mm -hmm. on the other side of it. So I'm Mm -hmm. proud of you. 
I'm impressed with what you have stepped into and created for yourself. And I just love that we get to be friends and have these types of conversations for uh, years and years until we're old and gray. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And um, everything that you just shared about me is mutual. Mm. And I, I admire you. I honor you. And I'm continuously impressed by you and how you show up in the world. And um, I'm glad we get to, A, have these conversations and then B, get to share them on the world publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasting is dope. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Of and um, I absolutely like love, love and am so for the work that you're doing in the world and thank it's helping so many people. So thank you. Thank you. Is there anything that you'd like to leave listeners with and where can they find you? Kind of a, a, a general statement um, that I, I share a lot and it means different things to different people, but really encouraging people that they can have the everything that they want in this life they can have the rock solid sex life the partnership the the, the career work purpose the the living situation like you can have it all um and it requires you to take the first step in asking for it and this kind of goes back to the conversation we had about asking but it's really you first have to step into it yourself and then be ready to deal with all of the things that come up as a result of it not being there. Mm -hmm. And so like in the context of, of, of sex is when you are at that point to where you're deciding you're unhappy with your sex life, being the one to step into it and then being ready to deal with all of the things that come up for you as a result of that. Um, and know that you're fully resourced to do so. And if you want to be supported, to Bryn. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people can find me, uh, the best place is the gram, uh, at Chris Marhefka. Um, I share very vulnerably there. Mm. Uh, very vulnerably, very open. And um, yeah. You share vulnerably elsewhere now too. I do. I do. Uh, I also have a podcast called Fully Expressed. Uh, my intention is to be the most vulnerable podcast on the internet mm -hmm. and um, conversations like the one that we had yep. um, that was actually two episodes. Uh, go check it out. Fully expressed. Um, would love for you guys to listen. And we talked a, another layer and different realm of our relationship on there. Yeah. We talked about the non-sexual journey. So <laughs> yeah. If you want the full journey, now you have the sex. <laughs> now you've been this far. Yeah. <laughs> we have 16 hours. 16 of hours of the full biography of Chris and Bryn. Uh -huh. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me so much. I love you. Love you too. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.